Welcome everyone to the CEO.Digital show. My name is Craig McCartney and I'll be your host that's going to guide you through an open exploration of technologies and trends straight from the C-suite. You'll hear insights will help you better deliver results for your company and its stakeholders. We'll be interviewing a range of C-suite executives, those that are creating technology to those that are implementing it to support their businesses. Find out more and stay up to date at ceo.digital. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Today's guest is Peter Schroeder, founder of unified communications company Telzio. Peter's career reads a lot like a plot of a movie, beginning with hosting his own TV show and owning his own company at the age of just 14 before traveling the world as a superstar DJ, only to design and launch his own communication software. Having worked with some of the world's largest and most disruptive brands, including Facebook, Samsung, Airbnb, Peter is an entrepreneur who is laser focused on innovation and creativity from the ground up. So, Peter, with that introduction, I'd like to welcome you to the CEO.Digital show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on here. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I hope so, especially after hearing all the stuff you've been up to. Um, <laughs> you've made me feel rather boring, although I have started DJing only recently, something I picked up in lockdown, but I'm terrible. Fun. I'm absolutely terrible. Well, so is everyone when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about what you're up to now in your role at Telzio. And how did you come about with the idea? What do you guys do? Anything you want to share around that? And then let's talk about what's different about the way you guys are working and doing things. Yeah, sure. It kind of just landed in my lap. It's one of those things where I was actually doing another project. I had pretty much burnt myself out on DJing. I played 380 something gigs in 2011-12 and was completely burned out without really knowing. But I kind of needed to put a pause on the gigs and spend some time making some music because I'm not one of those that can just have a laptop and do it on the plane. I have to have everything neatly set up and everything needs to be plugged in and perfect. So so I hadn't made music for a while. And I told my manager to, hey, let's uh, put a pause on the gigs for a little bit so I can make some new music. And instead, I really just started coding on another project, an idea I had with some way to share music between artists and the DJs and the radio stations and like promotion and stuff like that. And I needed a phone system for that. I needed like a support line, hotline where people could call in where there was like a phone menu that sounded somewhat professional, not just a voicemail. And I couldn't really find anything out of the box. So I was like, okay, I'll just code something myself. And I needed to be able to change it because it's kind of annoying. I have to go in and code it every time I need to make a little change in the menu. So I was like, okay, I'll just make a little interface for it. And that was fun. I actually enjoyed myself more than I had for a long time doing that. So I just kept doing it. And all of a sudden I had this product. And I had just met my now wife at that point and she was good with business and those kind of things. So we were just like, okay, let's just put it online and see if it sticks. And some people started signing up and you know, all of a sudden we got bigger customers because we added some features. And that was kind of just how one thing led to the other. And all of a sudden I spent 10 years doing that and haven't played a gig since. Yeah. So it's, it kind of just like happened. I was still planning on, I actually moved to LA. I was in Denmark at that point and I moved to LA during that period to be with my now wife, Diana. So I was still planning on playing gigs over here when I moved, but that never really happened because we just got busy with this and yeah, had a lot of fun. 
Yeah, sounds it. Sounds very interesting. And in terms of Telzio, do you want to just give a quick, not sales pitch, but just an overview? What is Telzio? Um, how do you help your customers? So it started out as a basic phone system for small businesses where you could get a phone number, you can forward it to your cell phone and those kind of things. And then over the years, we've just added features as people have been asking for them. And, you know, as we've grown, been very focused on product. And now it's really just become this whole communication solutions for business. So it's really anything, communications, calling, of course, texting, all these different things. And we're adding a lot of new stuff on top of it at the moment, all the new AI things that are coming out and, and these things. So so it is really a, a communication suite. If you boil it down, yeah, we're a phone company, but we're a lot more than that today, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So yeah, sounds interesting. Well, we'll include some details anyway about the company. I'm also interested in that sort of jump from that music career, which is very different to what you're doing now. But how has that changed your approach to running a company, uh, would you say? So I've always had two parallel careers my whole life. My parents are uh, musicians and my mom was both a pianist and an engineer. She was invited to play with the local symphony orchestra when she was 16, but my grandfather wouldn't allow her because she needed a real education. So she went out and became an engineer instead, you know, so but very, very talented. And my dad is a drummer. So I've always had music and technology in my life. My grandparents were electricians and telecom uh, engineers. And <laughs> so that has always been part of my life. And I built my first website when I was 14, sold it when I was 18, became a big community in Scandinavia. And, you know, at the same time I started DJing and Eventually, I started a record label where I also coded the software to manage the releases and these kind of things. And I make electronic music, which is in general, just a lot of computer work. So I wouldn't say I ever really swapped careers or like completely went from one to the other. It's just kind of always been there. But I will say I've learned obviously a lot of, about business. I've had a couple of businesses before, but this one is by far the biggest. And I actually have a bunch of employees to take care of that are relying on my decisions and and those kind of things. So I've definitely learned a lot when it comes to that. But again, it's happened gradually over the years. I mean, we started, we bootstrapped the company. It's not like we went out and got a few million dollars in VC funding. Now we cast in my wife's 401k when we started and, <laughs> you know, really grinded it. So we just learned, you know, over the years. It's not something we just got thrown into, I think. Yeah, that's great to combine those skills. And then have you got any music that was played by some big DJs or some big names that we would know? Probably not around here. I mostly worked with Danish artists when I produced music and wrote music. I have played all over the world as a DJ, and I do have some releases you can find out there under a couple of different aliases. Had a, had a few big things in Germany back in the early, mid-2000s. And when you say electronic music, what is it like? House music? Everything, or? really. Okay. Well, so growing up in Denmark, you know, it's definitely very, in the early 2000s, the late 90s, it was trance music. Then it swapped, you know, to what you call EDM today. But I've always, it spans really wide. And the music I produced, I mean, everything from ballads to pop and hip hop. I don't have a specific genre per se, but I, I do oh, okay. mostly listen to electronic myself. Yeah, yeah, cool. Sorry, I'm derailing the conversation just from a purely <laughs> selfish uh, point of view. Okay, so yeah, let's go back. Let's talk about communication then as a concept and how important it is in today, especially in this point in history. Why do you think that is? 
Well, everything is online, right? So the days where you could just send a letter and wait for two weeks to get a response, <laughs> that's long gone, right? There's a lot happening at the moment, though. I think the last time we saw the shift that's happening right now that people are probably not aware of, last time that we saw this kind of shift was in the early 2000s when things went from being analog phone lines into a building with a local PBX in a closet somewhere to VoIP, where all of a sudden you could have your business communications or your phone systems hosted in the cloud. Happened early 2000s, that kind of started around there and shifted all that stuff. And that was a pretty big shift, right? All of a sudden, everyone used Skype. It became a term. And then not that much have happened. Yeah, we went from being a data center thing to cloud, which is also just a data center, but shared, right? <laughs> but that's kind of like been more or less a standstill for 20 years. And then right now, this major shift is happening. One is, of course, the AI that we can't not talk about. But the other is really the preference of people or consumers, how they want to communicate. Because you used to have the ability as a business to just dictate where your customers can contact you. You could say, hey, we have a phone number and email address, and then you can also show up at our office, something like that, right? That's not good enough anymore. We started seeing, maybe 10 years ago, we started seeing these services for delivering food on demand, pretty much, you know, any of your favorite restaurants will be able to deliver right when you wanted it, you know, within an hour. Okay, that happened. And then COVID and all that really propelled the whole getting your groceries whenever you wanted. I haven't been to a grocery store for, well, since before COVID, I think, <laughs> because you have Instacart and all these different services that can deliver. But the same thing is really happening with communications. For you as a business, you can't just say, we just have a phone number and an email address, and maybe you'll have a chat on your website. No, you need to be able to be available 24-7 wherever your customers want to talk to you. So... For example, like Instagram, Messenger, Twitter, WhatsApp, Facebook, all these different channels all of a sudden. And you need to be on all of them because your customers have a preference. And I have an example, like myself, I was out buying a car a couple of months ago and I had, you know, settled on one. I was out test driving it. I liked it a lot. And I went home from the dealership. I had the business card of the dealer and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get this one. But I'm just going to send him an email, ask about what does it cost a little bit more if I get the model with the bigger engine, right? Like the same car, but... Just and I sent him this email and I didn't hear anything. That was weird. So the next day I went down to another dealership, which was a different brand, but pretty much the same car. You know, some of them are pretty much identical cars for different brands. And they had it available and I bought that car the same day. Two weeks later, I got an email from this dealer and he's like, hey, I uh, missed your email. Do you still need an answer? No, I already bought another car. So he missed out on the sale of a car just because he didn't check his email. I had his business card. I had his phone number. I could just have called him, but... I didn't want to call him. I preferred emailing, right? And that's really the thing. It's like, you need to be available wherever your customers are. And that's something that's really shifted over the last couple of years and something that AI, of course, can help with now. Exactly. I totally agree. I think if you don't respond like straight away, you're either upset or lose someone really because you find yourself doing it as well. So that is very interesting. And I think the next question I have is all around us adapting to hybrid working, obviously communication is very important within that space as well. But I'm thinking more along technological advancement and innovation. And what is leading that charge at the moment? Is it human culture or is it people or is it the business need? Or what do you think is leading that need or the opportunity, I guess, is a simplified version of the question. I would say before COVID, I was very much against hybrid work or remote working and those kind of things because I am a social person. I 
want to be able to have my happy hours on Fridays and have a whiskey and play a record with my buddies at work, right? And that's hard to do when you're not together, especially when you're a small company. Like there is some culture and it took for us at least some time to get used to that. And really like, how do we move that from the office into Slack and still manage to be good friends and have more than just work-related message back and forth, very formal. That's hard. I was always pretty much against that. And we tried doing COVID to hire a bunch of people remotely that we never saw. It failed miserably. I don't think any of them, well, one of them is with us still. So I honestly, I think it depends a lot on the people that are in the other end. Because we have actually over the past year or two since COVID hired a lot of remote workers. We are a distributed team. We are, we are, I think we're only four or five people here in LA now. And everyone else is, you know, around the US, England, Denmark, Serbia, Romania, Thailand, the Philippines, like we're all over the world. And we're still a really tight-knit team and friends and can joke with each other and those kind of things. So I think for us, it's really about, we found the people that are able to do that, that have somehow adapted into working remotely because either they've always done it or they're just able to take that social aspect and put it on. Again, it depends on the size of the business. We are a pretty small team. We're you know, less than 50 people. And that is hard when you're smaller than it is when you're a large corporation. Then it doesn't matter as much as it does for, I want to call us a startup. We've been around for 10 years, but I feel like we're a startup still. It's definitely a learning curve. It's something we've had to learn for sure. How do you, some of the stuff you mentioned there is all around disruption. How do you stay resilient in the face of all this disruption? I mean, you personally, uh, your business, I guess, you know, they are intertwined as well. For sure. Like I said, in the beginning, we founded the company together, my wife and I. So we are very much uh, <laughs> in the, C the COO of the business and she takes care of all, all business related stuff. I mean, we are definitely, what's the word for it? I wouldn't even call us frugal. We are just very careful with our spendings. We've, we've been bootstrapped, you know, so we, we're sure that we have enough money to pay the payroll and we don't overextend ourselves. We've always, you know, been, been trying not to take too big risks without also not taking no risks, right? We're trying to really be smart about how we grow the business. And of course that accelerates over the time as you grow. That's one aspect of it. And then I think our approach to running the business in terms of innovation and these kind of things, that's definitely has something to do because we've always been product first. We're very much about, you know, let's make sure that we have a solid product that people actually like using rather than focus on just sales and marketing. I'm not saying one or the other is right, but that's our approach to it. And this also, you know, shows that over the years we've invented a lot of new things. We've added a lot of features that our competitors have copied that, you know, we haven't been able to go out and pursue the legal aspects of them doing that because we just didn't have the funds, but also because that's not our you know, business model. That's not what we were in the world to do. We were in the world to, to create cool stuff. And then that has worked. We do have some very loyal customers and, you know, we've never spent a dollar on advertising. It's all word of mouth and a good SEO. So, you know, I think that's part of the resilience, right? We There's always money to be made doing a recession. That's my mantra. Like I always, when this stuff happens, like for example, COVID or latest recession, I always think about ways for us to take advantage of that rather than just sit down and cry in the corner. Like there's always a way if you adapt, but the second you stop adapting and stop being willing to change to the circumstances you're in, then yeah, you're definitely going to fall behind. And you've mentioned the latest, I say buzzword, but I mean, it's been a buzzword for ages, but AI, is there any AI linked within your organization or is there a plan to? 
We, back in 2017, registered AIAttendant.com. Uh, we knew that this was going to be a big part of our product, and we are about to release it soon here. We've been waiting, actually. We registered the domain, and we prepared and built our product, you know, the way we structured our backend systems and all these things for this part of the product. But we haven't had the technology for it until the past six months, really. And now we're ready for it. So it's pretty exciting. And the stuff you can do with the product we're coming out with is incredible. Like it's better than an employee that you've had for 10 years who knows everything about your business. It can answer faster. Oh, yeah. And then it's uh, 24-7 in all languages and all channels at the same time. You know, like it's... It's pretty wild and it's annoyingly fast. We had to put in artificial breaks from when you stop saying something to it starts answering on the phone because <laughs> it's too fast. That sounds, yeah, that would annoy me because, yeah, interesting. Great. Okay. So that's coming down the pipeline then. Are there other things that we should discuss with regards to AI that you think is not getting enough attention right now? I think a lot of people are scared about what's going on, right? Like there's a lot of fear that it's going to be the new Terminator movie, right? Or that people are losing their jobs. I think that's really the thing that most people are thinking. I don't think anyone can really say that they haven't thought that thought. I mean, I have even, and there's things happening. But like what I said earlier, there's always money to be made at a recession and change. Everything is always changing. So it's like the saddle maker, you know, that said, well, I'm always going to be making saddles. And then came the car and the people who started making upholstery for the cars and adapted to that, they had a lot of business, but the ones that kept making saddles, they didn't. They went out of business, right? So same thing is happening right now. If you can figure out how to use this to your advantage, and that's different for everyone, obviously, but if you figure that out, then you're going to be good. But there is change coming. There's no doubt. I've worked with it for a while now and seeing the things you can do, I mean, how fast it's evolving is there's a lot of things that are going to change. And I just had twin babies a year and a half ago. And this morning I was standing there looking at them and I was like thinking when they grow up and start actually going out and working like in 20 years or something like that, it's going to be a very different world. It's going to be like when my grandparents looked at me when I was a toddler and the internet wasn't even invented yet. You know, imagine what a different world it was in the eighties than it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Things well, are, are, are always with, changing. Yeah. And with a set of twins, on your hands, you're going to need AI to help with your workload. <laughs> hey, I think mm -hmm. uh, I'm mm -hmm. surprised you even have time for this podcast. Never mind running a business. Well done. <laughs> Are those your only kids then? Just the two? Yeah, we had the two here a year and a half ago and it's a handful. I mean, you say that you have to be two parents to take care of one kids and you definitely have to have four to take care of two, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I'm sure. I kind of wished I had twins because I knew we weren't going to be doing that again, the whole experience. So I've just got the one. But she likes house music now and she likes when I DJ, even though I'm terrible. So that's like our bonding time. So it's quite, it's I quite love sweet. It. I, I was actually <laughs> thinking about giving my son a little set of Pioneer turntables because he loves anything with buttons and anything oh, with yeah. music. He's into it. Oh, so. they're very cool to look at, aren't they? They're just like yeah, constantly exactly. flashing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, very good distraction. And is there, is there anything that scares you about AI? I mean, obviously, there's money to be made. There's opportunity. Some people's jobs will be taken. But actually, you know, in this advancement of technology, it normally creates jobs as well. Is there anything that keeps you up at night about it? No, because I can't see into the future. And I'm not trying to because, like, my mom always used to say to me, if you can imagine it, it will be possible someday. 
And I believe that. I think it's ignorant of us to think that we know everything today. Imagine a, a little ant sitting on a leaf that doesn't know anything about space travel. There's a lot going on around us that we have no clue about. And AI is really just scratching the surface of what's about to come. And whether that's going to take over the planet and kill all of us, or it's going to be something that helps us live an amazing life beyond the stars somewhere on different planets, it's just too difficult to say today. I tend to believe the last. I don't think it's necessarily going to just take over the world. And there is still quite a bit of way to go to the point where we have real AI. It's important to understand that it's, we're not there yet. And it's going to be a little bit, but it's happening. I have no doubt that it's going to get to the point where we have the real AI, where it actually does evolve itself and think. And how that's going to play out, it's going to be difficult to say. I hope for the best, <laughs> but it's not keeping me up at night for sure. Is there anything apart from your kids that does keep you up at night? <laughs> <laughs> no, because when they're not keeping me up, I, I sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, it, I would say it's running a business is always a roller coaster. I think everyone who started a business in any kind of way knows about the ups and downs. And it's like having this euphoria when things are going your way. And then the next day or two hours later, you're all the way down and want to just sit and cry in the, in the corner. That happens all the time. And it still does after 10 years. I would say it's, probably a little bit more spread out than it was in the beginning. The ups and downs are not as dramatic as they were in the beginning. Where, but that also is because you don't have everything on the line as you know we did in the beginning. If one deal goes bad or if something happens, it's not the end of the world as it was in, when we first started out. I can concur on that. <laughs> I, I think I took over my business, which was an events company at the time that we signed the papers the week COVID came to London. So we then, the week later, shut our offices and we were like, Oh no, what are we going to do? Anyway, we got through it. We actually we had a great year, funnily enough. So it all worked out. But yeah, the stress levels, it's, it's huge. Yeah. You know what? Mentioning COVID, I kind of enjoyed it when it happened. <laughs> I'm not going to say, I'm not going to lie here, but COVID was really, really good to our industry. Business communications, all of a sudden, everyone has to work from home and you need to have a way to do that. And with our solution where you can, you know, it works on an app on your cell phone or you can have a desk phone if you want that goes on Wi-Fi that we can ship pre-provision to your remote worker. So it just lands on their desk when that was a huge advantage for us, for sure. You could see all our competitors as well. Their stocks went up like crazy during that period. So obviously it was nice for us. And we were lucky in so many ways. Our office lease ended in March, 2020. And I had a car lease that ended in April, 2020. And like you had all these things that just like, okay, yeah, this is great. But obviously it wasn't for everyone. And like I said, you need to really adapt and figure out how can I make the best of it when these kind of things happen. Yeah, exactly. I think the technology... And a little bit of luck, a little bit of timing and some good ideas get you through it, definitely. I think technology was uh, one of the things that did prevail out of COVID, definitely. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. hopefully we're prepared for the next one, whenever that might be. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, just a test, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you are clearly someone who reinvents themselves through, you know, whatever you're faced with, you seem to be quite resilient and then can evolve. I wouldn't say quickly, easily, because obviously it's a process and you have to go through it. But what does that sort of reinvention look like for your company? Is it going to be based on AI, do you think? Is that what's going to sort of drive that evolution of Telsio or how do you see that working? What's really fun for me personally about Telsio is that there's always something new you can build. Communications, there's always something. There's always the next thing. And for us right now, we, yeah, we're focused on AI, but we're also very focused on working on a new dashboard app that's going to allow you to basically 
manage all your different channels in one place without needing to worry about how you're communicating with your end user. You just see the communication. Like you don't have to worry about whether this is an IM on Instagram or it's a tweet or it's a, an email or a web chat, text message, all these different things. You just need to communicate with your customers and you need to be able to have your AI do it as well. So we're definitely going from being just phone service to being just a way for you to talk to your customers very easily and efficiently. That's one of the ways that we're going. And we have some ways, you know, the holy grail in this is really just how do you know that it's the same person you're talking to? Like they say they talk to you on Facebook one day, then they send a tweet to you and they write an, uh, a review on uh, some website the next day and then they send you an email. You need to know that that's the same person so you can give them the service they need. And we have a way now to do that, some blockchain technology that we've been working on for a while. So there's a lot of stuff all the time, but that's also my ADD brain. I have actually didn't find out until just a few years ago, but I have raging ADD. When I was a kid, it was called, well, he's just lazy and only interested in doing what he's interested in. I always got good grades, but I was always told that I'm only interested in, or I only, you know, put in the effort in, in the things I'm interested in. And ADD, it didn't exist back then. It was ADHD is the one, you know, where you crawl backwards up the wall and can't sit still, but that's not the same thing. I don't have that problem. I just get really hyper-focused on things I'm interested in and everything else doesn't matter to me. And I think that's really also my superpower, if you will, for running a company like this is I'm, when I get behind something, it's, you know, 36 hours of work straight without getting up from my chair. And that's not exaggerating. It's really like that. But I think that's very much how our company is run is we try to just build the next cool thing. And then, you know, now we have investors and these kind of things, and we have people to actually take care of making sure that it's a business that's being run. So it's not just a playground for me to mess around with fun stuff, right? Which I'm just super lucky. I feel lucky that I have people around me to do these kind of things and that can actually make sure that we grow. Yeah, that is a nice luxury to have. And just thinking about our listeners who could be a mixture of senior executives from large companies or founders of startups, we have a range, but what advice would you give anyone who is in the early stages of a startup journey or is about to take their first steps in their own startup journey? Be naive and persistent. I, yeah, I don't know if persistent is the right word. I would almost say stubborn. I'm insanely stubborn. If people tells me there's something I can't do, I that just fuels me. Now I'm going to show you I can. Uh, I mean, and then there's the whole nativity. Who thinks they can go out and start a phone company and compete with AT&T, T-Mobile, all these huge corporations, right? You got to be a little dumb to do that. So I feel like I'm a little naive, at least in the beginning, and thinking, hey, yeah, of course I can do that. It's, it's like P.B. Longstocking that says, I've never done that before, so I'm sure I can. That's really my approach to it. And I think that's also what has gotten us to where we are today, because logically, you shouldn't go start a phone company. Definitely don't cash in your 401k to do it. <laughs> it's <laughs> But being stubborn and naive and actually think you can do it, I mean, that's led us to where we are today, where we actually have those companies, as I just mentioned, copy what we do and can compete with them. So that's really my things. I really think that's important to have when you start a company. Well, I like that. I get the thought behind it. So I will try and adopt some of that. So, I mean, moving away from the standard business chats and looking at you as a person, this is a kind of curveball. I don't know if we prepared anything, but do you have a guilty technology pleasure? Mm, yeah, my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm addicted to it. My wife tells me at least 10 times a day that I need to put it away when I'm around the kids. And I totally agree, but I am definitely addicted to that and the internet. There's no doubt. I'm trying as good as I can to remind myself and be available. And we're trying to not give our kids any screen time at all. And we try to, you know, be good parents and all these things. And then I'm there on my phone. <laughs> you know, there's no doubt. Yeah, I wish. That's a good one. <laughs> Yeah. And in terms, I mean, obviously your wife knows pretty much what you do, but how would your family, say your parents, do they know what you do? Can they describe it? I think they can to the degree that he's running a phone company for businesses. <laughs> That's, but I will say when I built the first proof of concept, I tested it on my grandmother, who's now somewhere in the nineties and then tried to make sure that every single feature that she was able to use. And if she was able to figure out how to manage this, then we probably did a good job. And that's kind of always been the thing. I mean, I try to make things very simple, but powerful at the same time. That is and a brilliant, yeah. brilliant user case. <laughs> I think maybe uh, you should try to my parents next because <laughs> I can't help them with technology anymore. <laughs> Wow. I get incredibly frustrated when I have to do it too, but it was a good uh, experience uh, actually trying to see how much can you dumb things down without losing the functionality, right? That's really the key. Yeah, I mean, I actually have a side business idea if you're looking for partner to do stuff with, but it's to really help, like say my parents' generation just use tech and we'll just start a call center and then instead of calling me, it just diverts to the call center. <laughs> Someone helps them. And then, you know, I get rewarded for it in some shape or form as a good I like sign. That <laughs> <laughs> so do you have like a favorite, an item like around your desk that you just can't live without apart from your phone? That's a really good question. What do I have? I actually think my phone is the thing I always have on me. It's become this, uh, you know, I feel naked without it. I think it not has become because it's kind of always been like that, right? Like since for the past almost 30 years now, 20, 20 something at least. I don't know. I think my laptop is really just a, uh, but like I mentioned earlier, I have to have everything very, very nicely organized and neat and tidied up. And again, ADD, right? So that's one of the things that helps me. I need to not have any stress factors around me to be able to focus. I'm by my desk around 8 a.m. in the morning and try to, you know, feed uh, the babies in the morning before I leave. And then I get home right before bedtime and put them to bed. And luckily we can have them up here in an extra office. We dedicated as a nursery. So, so uh, they come up here throughout the day and we can say hi to them. But yeah, I'm really just like live most of my life on my laptop. Yeah. So it might be a silly question considering how busy you are, but have you watched anything interesting lately? I'm still waiting to watch the next season or the last season of Succession. Huge fan of that show. And I still haven't watched the first episode of the last season here because, yeah, we all of a sudden got very busy. But yeah, I love that show. I don't watch stuff twice. And I've just, I've actually just watched that twice. I've made time. Any books? Do you read books or um, podcasts or? I walk to work in the morning and I listen to a lot of podcasts. Like that's the only exercise I get is walking to and from work. It's about an hour each way. So kind of get that little fresh air in. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've been listening a lot lately to this airplane crash investigation show or where they just go really nerdy into it about, you know, what actually went wrong. And they're not pilots or anything like that. These two guys doing it, they're just very, very obsessed with these things and, and they really do their research. So I listen a lot to that and then just, yeah, try to stay up to date. Yeah. 
Okay, nice one. Well, that's all we have time for today, Peter, but it was excellent getting to know you a little bit better and I'll definitely have a look at some of the stuff you've been up to, which I obviously <laughs> did before this, but take a deeper dive now for sure because it sounds super interesting. So thank you so much for spending your afternoon with us and I've really enjoyed meeting you. Thank you so much for having me. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. And if you liked that episode, please do like and subscribe. I think we're on about 90% of podcast platforms and have a look at the next set of guests coming through. But hope you enjoyed that episode with myself and Pizza. Bye-bye.